are live on air, buddy. All this right. is Top of the Key, everybody. I am Stefan. Hey, it's me, Justin. You are that person, aren't hey, you? Hey, I'm that guy. You're here. You're there. You're everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> we scared some guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, they, they can see us from the street while we're recording here in the studio. Uh, so we do sometimes get some onlookers and, and some people that yeah. uh, like to distract us and or agree with us or sit down and or listen, come in and argue with us about like uh oh, lions are gonna be great this year yeah i think that guy had a little too much to drink though, <laughs> i think <laughs> um everyone so this is top of the key we're on river west radio 104.1 fm milwaukee yeah that's right find us on itunes we're on itunes top of the give key. us five stars top of the key podcast we yeah got we got a couple five star reviews in there hey oh all right that's so cool please join the bandwagon we finally recorded a podcast this past week uh, hopefully you all heard it or you downloaded all, it whatever you know who we're talking to uh it was about the it was a the first wave of free agency we recorded it on monday night obviously a ton of stuff has happened since then so we're gonna try to pack as much stuff as we can into this show today i'm going along for the free ride, agency. Baby. Uh, there's going to be some stuff we're not going to get into. Obviously, we won't have enough time to do a full hour. Uh, but I think we're going to be able to get to most of the good, the big stuff. And then as stuff happens, we'll update. We'll probably do another podcast this next week. Yeah. Try to get some NBA stuff in, finally. Because we haven't done that in the well, last like, week or two. Yeah, I'm kind of just waiting for that. There's not really anything newsworthy happening exactly in the NBA just right now. Just a lot of bad teams beating good teams because the good teams are resting Except guys. for the Utah Jazz fans and beefing with Russell Westbrook and yeah. James Dolan throwing out fans. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot going on in the NBA. Well, Bucks made a nice 40-point uh, swing in the second half today to beat the Heat. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. We were down 20 at halftime. That's ended a up winning by like 20-something, so... That's nice. The Heat are trying to make the playoffs, so we'll see if they can try to sneak in that eight seed. Who are we going to get to be? Who are the Bucks going to get to be fodder in the first round? Hopefully, maybe sweep. Charlotte. That's yeah, my guess. That's who you want. Could who, be Orlando. You, I you think you like? it's going to be Charlotte, but I would like Orlando because we would just kill them. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. They're I like awful. Jonathan Isaac, but the rest of that team uh, don't Garbage. like. Can't count on any of those guys. I like Fournier. He's okay. He's all right, but he's having a horrible shooting year. Yeah, Ross is like ridiculous this year which is absurd because he's been terrible his whole career um all right well anyway that's our NBA talk (laughs) yeah that's that's it for today that's the top of the key uh top of the key top of the key nba talk for the week right there so sad swish (laughs) but let's start our pull-ups with all the nfl action here so obviously the biggest news of the week came on tuesday evening uh the odell beckham jr trade the Giants traded the wide receiver, and eventually they packaged it all together. The previously reported Kevin Zeitler for Olivier Vernon trade that we talked about, oh yeah, became part of this because it wasn't official until Wednesday afternoon. So Kevin Zeitler, excuse me, Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham were traded to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for Kevin Zeitler. Jabril Peppers, first uh, safety who was picked in the first round a couple years ago by the Browns, a third round pick and a first round pick. Um, what do you think about the haul for that, Odell Beckham? I don't think it's a very good haul for the Giants. Well, it's well, fine. let's talk we about let's talk about them. the Giants side first. All right, go ahead. <laughs> the floor is yours. It's kind of weird that they would. Uh, I mean, last year it seemed like they were really thought they were going for it, even though everybody knew they weren't. And now this year it feels like they realized that last year was a huge mistake and they're trying to blow it up. But you still got Eli over there. Like, you got to get him out of there. I thought he would go before Odell Beckham went, but it's not even really that good. It's an all right deal, but you'd expect more of a... Like, this guy is, like, what, top five all time and, like, 
catch, uh, yards per catch. Like he's gonna have a amazing career down there in Cleveland. Like you're just giving away like Jerry Rice in his prime is kind of what it feels like to me. Which anytime you have to part with a player like that, like that's that's tough. You better get a good haul. You better hit on all those draft picks. He had a great start to his career, obviously. But the last two years, he only has about 1,350 yards combined. He's only played in 16 games in the last two years. Yeah, but he's going... So there's been a little bit of an injury issue there, but that's obviously not the issue. But the Giants, I think, stupidly went tried to go all in last year because they, like I said, stupidly didn't draft a franchise quarterback last year when they had the opportunity. Sam Darnold was sitting there for them to take, and they passed to take Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is fine if you're a team that's ready to win now, and they thought they were. They misevaluated their team and mismanaged that. So they cratered last year. Odell Beckham doesn't want to play for a garbage team. He doesn't want to play with Eli, who can't get him the ball down the field. That's part of the issue. The worst starting quarterback in the NFL, probably. Might be one of them. Him or Bortles, pretty much. And Bortles probably isn't anymore. And so now Gettleman signs him to an extension throughout the offseason they continually said they didn't sign odell to trade him they're paying him 21 million dollars for one year last year and trading him taking the cap hit similar to the antonio brown deal but this guy's 26 not 30 31 and he's not been the distraction and he hasn't wanted out really he hasn't made the out his his wanting out public like antonio brown had so and now you're seeing gettleman and the giants pivot sort of once again to trying to win now. So even after they trade Odell Beckham, they get Jabril Peppers to help in the back end to replace Landon Collins, who they also stupidly let go. He got a $14 million a year deal with Washington when they could have franchised him and paid him $11 million, a little over $11 million. And even since he was in such high demand, even traded him and got something to recoup from that. But they they signed Golden Tate, former Eagles receiver to a four-year $37.5 million deal with $23 million guaranteed. He's 31 years old. They're going to pair him with Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. Obviously, Eli is going to still be the quarterback. And they also signed pass rusher Marcus Golden to a one-year deal. He tore his ACL in 2017, struggled with consistency getting on the field last year and sort of regaining his form. They're hoping he, well, he's taking like a one-year prove-it deal. Hopefully, uh, he can win a starting job on the pass rush since they traded Olivier Vernon. I just don't understand. The Giants seem like they're still trying to go all in and win now. I don't get why moves. you would sign Tate if you were trying to blow it up. That's what I'm saying. It still yeah. it seems like they're going in. Gettleman came out and said that they have a plan, which to me that means that... To, if you have to announce it publicly, you're trying to convince everyone that you have one, which means either you don't or the plan that you had was a disaster and you're trying to pivot from that. And I think last year they went all in and, like I said, misevaluated it. It was a disaster. And now this year they have the option and I think they just needed to... Blah. It's going to be really telling to me which direction they go, what they think about this team when the draft comes along. Because if they do not draft a franchise quarterback when you have the number six and now the 17 overall pick, they could move up and get Haskins or possibly even Kyler Murray. If they don't draft a quarterback in this draft, or at least in like the first or second round, it's going to be telling to say that they're still going all in and trying to get playmakers for Eli Manning now instead of, again, grabbing a potential franchise quarterback. Because even if they're 
even if your plan works and they're a decent team, like no one thinks this is a playoff team or, you know, not in that they could win seven, eight games. Now, next year, you're not in a position to draft a franchise quarterback. And they're not coming out of that division. Like, I don't see that happening. I don't foresee that happening either. But you have, again, a spot where last year you picked two, this year you're picking six. If you don't, if I mean, how many times are you going to pass on a quarterback? You're not going to have that many opportunities. You need to make the move and make the move now. It doesn't make any sense. And for Cleveland, though, this is a home run. You oh, yeah, easily. Odell yeah. Beckham with his former teammate and best friend, Jarvis Landry. They both played at LSU together. Now they're easily Pair the favorite him with to win. Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. They also, in free agency, si- signed Sheldon Richardson to go on that defensive line. So now they have Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson along that front four, which is fantastic. They still have in the back end guys like Denzel Ward, uh, Demarius Randall. They re-signed EJ Gaines. They still have Terrence Mitchell. They signed Demetrius Harris, a backup tight end. Then, obviously, they signed Kareem Hunt, we talked about a while back, on a one-year deal. And his suspension came down. He is going to be suspended for eight games. So he will miss the first eight games of the season for the Browns next year, and he'll play in the last eight. I think this offense has a chance to be one of the best in football. Uh, Kareem Hunt's not going to appeal the suspension, by the way. He is going to accept his punishment. I think that's the smart thing for him to do as far as a PR thing goes. Um, you got to expect they also, Mayfield to improve in the second season, too. He's going to take a leap. Hopefully. That, I mean, that's the, that's the goal. I think one of the main issues, though, is you have a first-time head coach. You have a sophomore quarterback where now teams have more tape on. You gave them a bunch of weapons. Obviously, they have Larry, uh, David Njoku. They have Jarvis Landry. You have Odell Beckham. You have Antonio Callaway. You re-signed Rashad Higgins. You have still have Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt you're going to have in the second half of the season. You still have a decent offensive line. Like th- There's going to be a heap of expectations a on lot this of talent team now. There. A lot. This is a team that last year we just wanted them to win a game, and now they are a 14-1 to odds to win the Super Bowl this year, which is just absurd. That is absurd. This is a team that might not even win their division. They're on paper, I think, the AFC North favorite right now when you see the Steelers lost Bell and Brown and then the Browns gained Odell Beckham Jr. I think that is sort of a power dynamic switch there. And the Ravens lost some defensive talent. They replaced some of it, but the Ravens, I think, are going to take a minor step back to try to take some steps forward with Lamar Jackson in the short term. We'll see. That's definitely going to be what it comes down to, Ravens and uh, Browns. Yeah, I think, like I said, it was just a home run for Cleveland. They've been kind of stockpiled with their picks. And, um, I, I I mean, the Giants have been getting slammed for all week, basically, by New York Giants fans, by everyone complaining. And I think, to some extent, uh, when you see everyone going one way on something sometimes it's not what everyone thinks and so i'm sort of questioning if everyone is slamming david gettleman because usually when we see these trades where everyone slams a a player especially in football you see in like a year or two down the line that that person ends up looking like a genius because this player you know doesn't pan out or he flames out or maybe he gets injured or something else happens and next thing you know this person looks like a genius for moving on you know i don't think that's going to be the case here especially because you're sticking with Eli Manning, and I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah, I think you got to move on from Manning. I don't know why they're so attached to him. Super he won them two Super Bowls, but he's just not good anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's, not it's like been a long time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, feel, they feel a little bit like the New York Knicks of the uh, NFL to me. 
the Giants. Yeah. Right now, they're the last I say two or three years they've been just completely inept. Part of that is David Gettleman coming in. They just haven't recovered uh, from losing Tom Coughlin yet, and they're sort of in like a free fall. Uh, but like I said, it's very possible in this draft if they grab a Dwayne Haskins, a Kyler Murray, something else, they could turn this franchise around pretty quickly. Oh, definitely. That would be out of the question. All right, let's move on to talk about Kansas City briefly. You know, we talked about the Kareem Hunt suspension and his former teammate Tyreek Hill uh, from Kansas City is being investigated for a possible battery against a child. His three-year-old son suffered a broken arm. There's no word on how this happened. Uh, It's just he's being investigated. It's possible it was a total accident. Uh, But however, if this were to come to fruition, this is very much a a suspendable offense. He'd be out possibly at least a whole season. And he is right now poised to be the next highest paid receiver. There is talk that he might even get $20 million a year contract when his deal is up. So he is in a tough spot right now. He needs to be on his, obviously, his best behavior. Um, Tyreek Hill, before he came into the league, was charged and pled guilty to choking his at the time pregnant girlfriend who is now his fiance and they have the three-year-old son Uh, so he has had some issues in the past with that obviously he did not face any discipline from the nfl because he was not in the league at that time but that's a situation to monitor we'll see if you know charges come out or what the investigation holds we'll have an update for you probably on probably next week or yeah yeah, when the podcast comes out but kansas city they cut justin houston we saw they in a second we'll talk about them trading d ford so they signed alex okafer former starting defensive end from the saints uh but they franchise tag d ford in a weird move and like i said they cut justin houston they're shifting from their three four scheme to a four three scheme and justin houston and d ford were both more outside rushing linebackers in the three four scheme and they are committing to the four three and so they released justin houston to save money and then they traded d ford to the San Francisco 49ers for a 2020 second round pick, not even a 2019 second round pick. So they get a 2020 second round pick. And then D Ford agreed to a five year, $87.5 million Ooh, I didn't extension. It was that much. Yeah, he got paid a little bit more than Olivier Vernon. Not quite as much as Trey Flowers, though, right in the middle. Uh, so he gets goes to San Francisco where they have, they spent. First round picks in the last few years on Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, and DeForest Buckner. So they have a nice defensive line along with D Ford. They play the three four out there, and it's very possible we could see a guy like Nick Bosa or a guy like Josh Allen going to the San Francisco 49ers with a number two pick in the draft to pair, and that could be a scary defense. They also signed Quan Alexander and before CJ Mosley was signed, which we'll talk about in a second, he was the highest paid inside linebacker. So they have a new inside linebacker. They got a new pass rusher, premier pass rusher. They got the pieces. They re-signed uh, Jimmy Ward and um, in the in the secondary is a safety slash corner. They also signed, took a chance on Jason Verrett, former Chargers corner. I believe he made the Pro Bowl before. He was a pretty good corner, slot corner. Uh, he did toy, uh, tear his Achilles last year, though. Didn't play. It was on IR pretty much the whole year. So the Niners are taking a chance on signing Jason Verrett. They signed Richard, Richard Sherman, Sherman off year, this yeah. basically the same injury the year before. So they're taking a chance there. They also signed Tevin Coleman, two-year five million dollar, excuse me, two-year ten million dollar deal. They also agreed to terms with Jordan Matthews. Did you like the Tevin Coleman signing? I mean, to me that was a steal. Yeah, for five million bucks. I kind of like what the Niners are doing because they're rolling the dice a little bit. 
on a lot of these guys. But, you know, you're giving yourself a chance, more or less. Like, uh, it doesn't really feel like they're swinging for the fences exactly. It's kind of a lot of, like, uh, smaller... Well, they're paying, a lot, they're paying a lot of money. but They're paying a ton of money to guys. They are. It's just... I don't know. I feel a little more confident about uh, these guys rehabbing and coming back strong. But it, for some reason, that's, like, the... Uh, whole concept of the Niners team is like a bunch of injured dudes. They're all rehabbing and bonding through rehab. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was at the at the time one of at the time one of the highest paid or the highest paid quarterback when he agreed to his extension. He's recovering from a torn ACL. Jarek McKinnon signed a huge deal. He was recovering from a torn ACL. He hasn't even played a snap for the Niners yet. You better have a good health Quan Al- on there. Quan Alexander's recovering from a torn ACL. He tore in October with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Richard Sherman was coming off the Achilles injury. Jason Verrett's coming off the Achilles injury. But Tevin Coleman, was. there was a lot of people saying that they'd rather have Tevin Coleman than Le'Veon Bell in this free agency draft class, especially considering the price and the likely production. And... To get Tevin Coleman for only five million, when you would have to pay almost triple to get Le'Veon Bell at over thirteen million dollars, I think it's a good move for the Niners. They can pair him with McKinnon, and they can have a nice one-two punch. They got Jordan Matthews as another weapon for the Niners. I think they need to draft a receiver for sure in one of the top couple rounds to give Garoppolo some more weapons. They don't really have a lot. They got Marquise uh, to Goodwin. Throw to. Yeah, Goodwin, and then they have George Kittle, who I like, um, but they need some more. Yeah, they well, could use another but, another weapon, not just but like I like, a deep threat. I like the D Ford thing. I will say I wasn't a huge fan of D Ford's coming out of the draft. Uh I didn't think he was gonna be as good as he has been. He's been banged up and had some injury issues. Had his really breakout season last year, and there's some people wondering if he's sort of the like a one hit wonder, especially when he's playing alongside guys like Justin Houston and Chris Jones and now going to the Niners. They still have a good defensive line, but maybe not quite the same. Although it could change if they do grab a guy like Bosa or Josh Allen. All right, let's uh, move on here. Somebody's going to get lucky with Bosa. Let's talk about the Jets. Let's talk about Le'Veon Bell quick since I just mentioned him. He gets signs with the New York Jets. Four years, $53.5 million, Is that less money than he 25 expect? to 28 fully guaranteed. Yes, it is less than I expected. He did not. So if you've noticed that... The trend seems to be that when a really good but not great player hits free agency, a guy like a a C.J. Mosley, a Quan Alexander, uh, a Trent Brown, etc., they become, because of the marketplace, become the highest paid player at that position. Trent Brown, got he's not ever made a Pro Bowl, but he's now the highest paid offensive lineman because the Raiders made him that. Uh, you know, C.J. Mosley... For uh, we'll talk about in a second is now the highest paid inside linebacker. Quan Alexander for a second was that, um, but Le'Veon Bell did not get a market setting deal. The one that he wanted, Todd Gurley makes more than a million dollars on annual average, more than him. He did want he did need the big guarantees, and he has actually more guaranteed money than most of the running backs, which is largely what he wanted. He did sit out last year, obviously, and did not take the franchise or did not sign the franchise tag that would have paid him fourteen and a half million dollars. And there's some people slamming him. I think he loses in this sense that he didn't get as much as he wanted. I think everyone can agree that we thought he was going to get more. I thought he'd get at least fifteen a year. You saw the you saw the market for the running backs this year, though. It just wasn't. It, it wasn't there. One of the issues too was that he didn't really have a lot of bidders when it was just the jets really that were interested and when you only have one team interested they're not going to bid against themselves unless the unless Jaguars. they're stupid yeah so you, that suppresses value and now there's rumors that 
the since the Rams gave Todd Gurley that contract and we saw in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl how banged up he was and how ineffective he was, that there's now cause to pause for some of these teams trying to give running backs new contracts and these big deals that if you have you know injury issues or knee issues in the past, which Le'Veon Bell has had, they don't want to surrender that big money in fear for that. Especially Le'Veon Bell is 27. I think Todd Gurley was 24, 25 when the extension was signed. So it's a little bit different age-wise, although Le'Veon Bell did sit out the season. I think it's a, a loss for him in that sense. But, I mean, he did get a ton of guaranteed money more than, I um, I believe, Gurley at signing. It's more than he would have gotten from the Steelers in guaranteed money. I think so I think he wins in that sense. I think he preserved his body. I mean, yeah, it really I mean, just comes down to... It's possible that he could have taken the 14 and a half last year and signed this deal this year and been great. But what would have likely happened is he would have signed that franchise tag, made that 14 and a half million. The Steelers would have gave him a ton of carries. He would have had a ton of catches. He would have had a huge usage rate and he would have entered free agency beat up at 27 with another three to 400 touches. And maybe he doesn't get that $28 million in guarantees. Maybe, you know, he's washed up. Maybe he blows a, his knee out or tears a, his Achilles, and he doesn't ever see that big payday. So you're risking the 14 to get the 28 and I think it was just the smart bet for him to do that, and he didn't want to do what the—I mean, with the Steelers, they weren't guaranteeing his money beyond the first year of the deal. So I don't see why he would do that. I mean, he still wins in this situation. He gets his money. He got to chill out and jet ski for a year. Yeah, and, you know, preserve his body. It's nice. He should be fresh. Get another year. The Jets released Isaiah Crowell. As a result, he now enters free agency. The Jets also added cornerback Brian Poole, who started for the Falcons last year. And we talked about on Monday how the Jets had agreed to terms with Anthony Barr, and they had. And instead, Anthony Barr got cold feet. He did not want to sign with the Jets, and he did not want to leave Minnesota. He's panicked. He asked them to up his offer. They upped it a little bit. He still took a little bit less money to stay in Minnesota than he would have got with the Jets. But Anthony Barr is now staying with the Vikings. And so instead, the Jets moved on to sign former Ravens linebacker C.J. Mosley, who's made, I believe, three Pro Bowls already so far in his career. They signed him to a five-year, $85 million deal. He's making $17 million a deal a year, excuse me, as an inside linebacker. That is just absolutely absurd. <laughs> they did not, Sum I mean, that up pretty nobody well. wants to give Le'Veon Bell 15 a year, but they're going to give C.J. Mosley 17 a year. I mean, I know C.J. Mosley's a really good player, but the Jets are just, like, throwing money right now. It's It's kind of stupid, and... There's no way the Ravens were going to agree to that and, you know, or match that. And we've seen who's the better franchise, the Jets or the Ravens. So the Jets are, you know, overpaying on some guys, but they're trying to kickstart Sam Darnold's development and try to bust into this win now mode, which to me, if I'm them, I'm still waiting in the cut because Brady's still there. Give it another year, bide your time, build up some assets or something instead. Don't waste all your money now because at least this year, and as long as Brady's there, I'm going to pick the Patriots over the Jets. And that's how I feel about the Dolphins, too. It's just like, just blow it up this year, man. Well, they're starting to. Yeah, finally. Let's talk about it. Ryan Tannehill. You want to chat about it? Finally traded. Finally did something. He, his, his salary is not guaranteed or wasn't going to be guaranteed until week one of the season. And so he agrees to restructure his deal. Miami agrees to pay $5 million of his little over $7 million salary. He is traded to the Tennessee 
Titans. It's going to be starting by the end of the year. Who Mariota's had some issues. He's had some health issues the last couple of years. Uh, so Miami sends a 2019 sixth-round pick in Ryan Tannehill to Tennessee in exchange for a 2019 seventh-rounder and a 2020 fourth-rounder. This is essentially the Miami Dolphins paying $5 million for a fourth-round pick. This is like the Brock Osweiler trade a couple of years ago for the Browns where they take on the dead money in exchange for a draft pick. It's like what we see in the NBA all the time, uh, these salary dump moves. This is actually starting to take hold in the NFL. It. Finally, I'm surprised this hasn't happened a lot before. Uh, teams trying to move on from some of these guys, and instead of just cutting them outright and taking the cap hit, they are they would trade them and at least could get something out of it um, or try to take some cap savings, I guess. So the Titans, uh, well, I guess the Dolphins didn't get Teddy Bridgewater. He came in for a visit, left, decided to go back to New Orleans. Um, actually, before we get into New Orleans, let's stay with Miami here. So Tannehill is gone. I feel like they have to... The issue for me here with this move is they have essentially told everyone that they're drafting a quarterback at 13. Yeah, you think there's going to be one left? There'll be four quarterbacks that'll go in the first round at least. One There'll the, be one there. You think one of the big ones is going to be there? Murray yeah. or Haskins? No. No. They're either going to have to trade up, or it's possible they trade down, pick up more picks, and draft a QB later in the first round. But they don't have a viable starter on the roster. They don't. Yeah. And so unless they make a trade or, or whatever, Kaepernick. they're going to have to make a. They're going to have to draft a QB. Uh, the Titans. Get Tanhill, solid backup move. He gets paid about the same as Bridgewater. Like I said, Mariota's had some health issues. There's no guarantee that he is going to be their QB of the future. Both he and Winston are going into their fifth-year options here, so this is a big year. Titans signed Cameron Wake, former Dolphins defensive end, and guard Roger Saffold. Uh, Saffold got a four-year, $44 million deal from the Titans. He was a former Rams guard, so they're trying to shore up the offense and defensive lines to give Mariota um, some more weapon, I mean, I guess the line to help. And then they also gave him Adam Humphreys as, a, as an additional weapon there in the slot. Though I don't think that's going to be a great fit because Mariota's not a great, like, accuracy passer. And having the sl- I just don't see the slot having as much value to a guy like that as it would to, like, a traditional pocket passer. I mean, everyone's on this slot receiver buzz because of the Patriots. Um, but I just don't see that working out with Tennessee. They're again one of the most anonymous teams in the NFL. Uh, Blaine Gabbert. I don't. Too. Yeah, I mean, when Tannehill was it's there, no there's deal, no need to no need to yeah. keep Gabbert. All right, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about the Ravens. They lost. They cut Eric Weddle. They lost Zadarius Smith in free agency, which we'll talk about in just a bit. To the Packers, they lost Terrell Suggs in free agency. And they lost C.J. Mosley to the Jets, as we previously talked about. And so people were wondering, when are they going to replace some of these guys? What are they going to do? Since they do have some money uh, to work with, especially uh, after moving on from Joe Flacco, they signed Earl Thomas to a four-year, $55 million deal with $32 million fully guaranteed at signing. The highest guarantee for a safety in the league. Earl Thomas got a great great deal originally he was thought that he was going to go to the chiefs on a one or two year deal but the ravens came in with a four-year deal but really this is essentially a two-year deal with some option years on the end he replaces eric weddle as like the qb of this defense i think if they're this might be like the best fit 
as far as free agency moves in the in the draft or excuse me in free agency. Earl Thomas coming from the Seahawks. I mean, they have very similar identities. That defensive secondary attitude. I think it's a perfect fit for the Ravens. I think you're right. I just I really hope Earl Thomas all the best. Hope he say he can stay healthy. I'm a little worried about being a smaller guy. He's getting a little bit older. Now he's got a. He's coming off a broken leg. A leg he broke twice now. Yeah, and he just had a couple freak injuries last year, and you, you hope it's not something that uh, keeps happening. The Ravens also sign Mark Ingram to a three-year, $15 million deal. We know they're going to run the ball a ton with Lamar Jackson. Gus Edwards, they said, was apparently their lead back already a couple weeks ago. Now Mark Ingram is going to probably take that mantle. It's a great pickup, huh? Yeah, I really like that move. I mean... Coleman and Ingram both only got $5 million a year. I think you got a potential 1,000-yard rusher for $5 million bucks a year. That's not a bad move. He's going to play into the power run game there, like I said, with Edwards and Dixon. I don't know what they're going to do at receiver, though. They let Crabtree go. They let John Brown walk in free agency. I mean, the top receiver on their depth chart right now is Willie Sneed. So I think they need to figure out a way to get some weapons for Lamar Jackson in the passing game if they want him to succeed as a pocket quarterback. I don't see how you can do that if he doesn't have weapons to throw the ball to. Yeah, it would have been nice to at least keep John Brown for him. John, yeah, John Brown got a – let's talk about the Bills real quick. They signed John Brown to a three-year $27 million, or I think it was 28 I think it was twenty-seven. Million, yeah, twenty-seven million dollar deal. They also signed Cole Beasley to a four-year, twenty-nine million dollar deal. And then they signed Mitch Morse, made him the highest-paid guard, or excuse me, highest-paid center in the league. The revamping the offensive line. They gave some weapons to Josh Allen, gave him a slot receiver in Beasley, gave him a deep threat in John Brown. John Brown is one of the highest average per catch uh, yardage rates in the league. He's going to be John uh, Josh Allen's deep threat down the field. I think that's going to be a, a good match. John Brown's stats fell off a cliff after Lamar Jackson took over last year. He was having a great year. I had him on my fantasy team. Uh, he was having a great year with Flacco, and then as soon as Lamar Jackson took over, I mean, he was catching like zero or one ball a game. It was it was bad. So it's time for him to go somewhere where the quarterback's going to actually throw him the ball. Yeah. Buffalo, I think, made some solid moves. Uh, they also signed Frank Gore we talked about earlier. So they, well, we got a bet. That we I, that talk I, about that again. Yeah, the bet that he's going to pass Barry Sanders. Yeah, he needs like 500 yards to pass Barry Sanders. Yep. If he does, I'm gonna owe Stefan some uh, dominoes, some, some monies. All <laughs> right, let's uh, let's talk about we we I briefly mentioned Teddy Bridgewater before. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. They retained Teddy Bridgewater. He went to go visit with Miami, but then decided to come back with New Orleans. He's signing a one-year, seven point two five million dollar, fully guaranteed deal with some incentives. I think it can push it up north of ten million dollars, maybe even up to twelve. I think. Does Brian end up going back? Not yet. Okay. Um, and so. I think this was a smart move for Teddy Bridgewater for a couple of reasons. One, he's still only 26, so he's young. He has some time. And really, he has kind of one more chance to show he can be a starter in this league. If you go to Miami this year, you're going to play on a crap team with not a ton of weapons. You're going to be playing for a first-time head coach. And they're likely going to draft a quarterback, we know. And so you don't want to get into a situation where you're Tyrod Taylor or you're one of these guys that you're replaced three, four, or five games into the season, and there goes your job at a starting spot. <laughs> yeah, He has tied himself to Sean Payton, who's an offensive mastermind in New Orleans. Drew Brees is 40 years old, and we saw at the, the second half of last season, Brees basically fell off a cliff. He wasn't able to drive the ball down the field. He was throwing interceptions. He was underthrowing receivers. 
the Saints offense really just became abysmal. Uh, they weren't able to run the ball super effectively either. It was it was a problem for that team. And so I think Bridgewater knows it's possible that he could even play some of this year. If Breeze is, you know, like Peyton Manning in his last year and he just can't get it done at some point through the season, Bridgewater could come in. Breeze could get injured. That's also possible. And then you're set up there where next year if Breeze does retire and Sean Payton decides to stay, you're set up there to possibly be the starter for the foreseeable future. Or if Sean Payton doesn't stay there, you could go with him somewhere and become a starter or whatever. But I think it was a smart move to stay with the Saints and have a possible starting spot there, maybe even spend another year getting back to your you know, physical peak for Teddy Bridgewater coming back from that injury. Yeah, he's still only, then make only 26. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He still has some time. time. Yeah. You know, they also signed Latavius Murray to a four year, $14.5 million deal. He's basically replacing Mark Ingram there. He's going to be the two to the one two punch of Alvin Kamara. They also added some additions on the defensive line, signing former Patriots defensive tackle Malcolm Brown and former Raiders and Giants defensive lineman Mario Edwards. Mario Edwards' deal, I think, with incentives can go up to $6.5 million over two years. And Malcolm Brown got, a, I think it was a three-year, $15.5 million deal or so. It had some big big guys for them up front. They lost Alex Okafor. Tyler Davison is in free agency right now, and they needed to help their run defense. Sheldon Rankins, their Pro Bowl defensive tackle, is also coming off an Achilles tear in the uh, NFC Championship game. So that's a tough tough blow on the line, so they need to add some some talent there. Yeah, we want to keep. We got to move. Let's on, keep man. rolling. Yeah, all right. Let's talk Packers. They made a bunch of moves on defense. Uh, Geronimo. Well, first, at once, man. first, let's talk about Geronimo Allison. They tendered him wide receiver. He will uh, be back. They basically made him a restricted free agent. He'll earn a little over two million dollars. Um, and I think they needed to keep him as a weapon for Aaron Rodgers, being that they're going to lose. Randall Cobb, but they made three defensive additions. Two I really like, one I don't love. The first, Adrian Amos, former Bears safety, signed to a four-year, $37 million deal. He's not as, he doesn't jump off the page as much as a guy like the Honey Badger or Tyron, or uh, excuse me, or Landon Collins even, or Oral Thomas or, or those top-end safeties. But this is a guy that is a just, rock solid safety that's going to be both good in coverage good in tackling i think the pay uh the packers got a good deal here they didn't have to guarantee him a ton of money and they paid him less than the safety market was going for i mean we're seeing safeties making you know lamarcus joiner made 10 and a half a year and we're seeing you know earl thomas and tyron matthew and landon collins getting 14 a year so to pay a guy that's maybe just a slight step down about nine million dollars a year uh, I think is a good move to help in the back end, especially since I don't think Kentrell Bryce is coming back, and they haven't had really a good safety back there in a while. Yeah, not uh, unless you count Clinton Dix, but I'm not. A yeah, big. Clinton Dix was okay for them. I mean, they eventually moved on. He was really good in their first in his first year or two, but kind of tailed he off the last of couple of years. Mistakes. Then they signed a pair of Smiths. So the first one, let's go over the one I don't like, or I don't like as much, I should say. So they signed former Baltimore Ravens. Outside linebacker, 3-4 linebacker, pass rusher, Zadarius Smith. He, I think, had I think he had eight or nine sacks this past year. They eight signed and him half. to a half. Oh, eight and a half. Okay. They signed him to a four-year, $66 million deal. 
that's sixteen and a half million dollars a year. So that's slightly under, you know, what Trey Flowers got. This to me is a huge overpay. This guy was a part-time pass rusher for the Ravens, and I understand he did have eight and a half sacks, which is pretty solid. But he's playing on one of the best defenses in the league. The the Packers don't have that. Now they're going to certainly be better with their additions. Would be hard for them to be any worse than they were last year, right? But they're not going to be a like a dominant defense, and I think paying him like a top tier pass rusher, paying him you know a little less than guys like Von Miller and you know some of these other premier pass rushers, JJ Watt, etc. I mean, he makes more than JJ Watt. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, guys that's a little like, ridiculous. I to just put it that way. I don't see that you know working out in the long term. I think you know a year or two into that deal, the Packer fans are going to start to regret that. But one of the moves I did like the Packers making was signing Preston Smith. He's a former Washington. He played for the Washington football team. They signed him to a four-year, $52 million deal, so about $13 million a year, which is like the mid-tier pass rusher money. He can play the 3-4. He can play the 4-3 DN. He played at Mississippi State. He was the guy I was hoping the Raiders would have drafted instead of Mario Edwards a few years ago. Uh, and look at Mario, Mario Edwards is signing a two-year, $6.5 million deal on the free agency market, and Preston Smith got four years, $52 million deal. Uh, so who's better? Uh, so I like that movie. He fits into the, the Packers scheme. He can play in the dirt. I think they're going to go a little bit more hybrid this year uh, with some of their additions. Obviously, Zadarius Smith's a 3-4 outside linebacker, but they made three good defensive moves. They're immediately better on off, or excuse me, on defense. They'll probably draft a couple guys on defense to maybe get a receiver to give to Aaron Rodgers as well. They have a lot of young guys, but they might want a veteran in there. I mean, there's talk Jordy Nelson might come back. I can see that happening. Being that the Raiders released him. I don't think he's got much left, but give him another. He was terrible last year for the Raiders. I know he kind of came on strong at the back end of last year, but if you watch the Raiders games like I did, he was not good. <laughs> All right, let's uh, shift gears. Let's talk about your team, the Seahawks. My boys. They basically kept all their guys. They re-signed Michael Kendricks, linebacker. They re-signed K.J. Wright to a three-year deal worth, uh, I think it was like seven and a half a year or so. And then they also re-signed uh, guard D.J. Fluker. They're trying to keep that offensive line together for Russell Wilson. They had a really nice rushing attack last year with guys like Chris Carson and Rashad Penny and Mike Davis. And then you bring back the linebacking core to pair with Bobby Wagner, and then you still have a young one-handed Shaq Griffin. Shaq Griffin. And you got the Flowers, yep. Uh, you got Trey Flowers over there. Uh, I think so it, I they like, can build off of last season, too. I don't, any, nobody expected them to do anything last year. And they're keeping fr- – although they franchise tag Frank Clark. There are reports that he's not going to play unless he gets a long-term deal. Demarcus Lawrence, the Cowboys defensive end, who is also franchise tag, has sort of said the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see what Seattle does. There are rumors that they were going to trade him. Maybe they'll give him a long-term deal. We'll see where that goes. They have some time to work on that. Uh, was there anything that do you think that Seahawks like need? Is there a wish list that you have for them right now? I could go for an established running running back on that team still. Even after having Carson and investing a first-round pick in Penny? I mean, I guess you have to replace Mike Davis to some extent. but to some extent. It just felt like they were going at it by committee last year, with, which kind of worked. But I guess I'm just missing Marshawn, you know? Uh, I feel you. We don't know if he's going to be back in Oakland this year either. Uh, Other than that, I mean, I feel like they got a pretty good squad put together. It's just, it's hard for me when you, uh, you know, you have a premier quarterback. You want to kind of get another, get a running back in there to take some of the pressure off him. 
Yeah, I think Chris Carson can be that guy. I mean, him and Penny, if Penny ever like turns in anything, he could be he could be a, he had a, a couple one two punch. He had some nice moments, but yeah. it wasn't consistent. Um all right, let's talk about the Denver Broncos. The Bronx. They signed right tackle Jawan James to a four year, I think it was fifty six million dollar deal. I wanna say he was a very highly paid right tackle. Uh, he used, I think is the highest paid right tackle if Trent Brown doesn't play right tackle, which is four the year, Raiders fifty-two guy. million, fifty-two. That was it. Okay, and then the Broncos, who they're losing Bradley Roby in free agency, they re-signed or they signed two corners. They signed Kareem Jackson from the Houston Texans to a three-year, thirty-three million dollar deal, and then they signed former Bears corner Bryce Callahan just today to a three-year, twenty-one million dollar deal. I like what they did in the secondary to some extent. I I like Cal- Callahan and Jackson in a vacuum or just like that, but I liked Bradley Roby I'm a lot. Paper, yeah. I think he's a, a solid starting outside corner, whereas both Callahan and Kareem Jackson are more guys that are better suited for the slot. And they already got I know Roby Roby only he wanted to have he signed a one year prove it deal because I think he wanted a higher per year average. He got a one year ten million dollar deal with the Texans. So pretty much just Kareem Jackson and Bradley Roby switched spots. I, I don't. I didn't understand why you'd pay Kareem Jackson eleven million dollars a year and not keep Bradley Roby on a one-year ten million dollar deal. Yeah, that to me didn't make sense. So from Denver's perspective, they needed offensive line help to help Joe Flacco. We know he's not mobile. We saw their struggles with Keenum last year. They still need weapons for Flacco to throw the ball to. I mean, Demarius Thomas is gone. Emmanuel Sanders coming off a torn Achilles. We don't know what he's going to look like. Corlin Sutton, the second-round pick from last year, looked decent last year, but I'm not sure he's ready to be you know, a number one wideout on a, on a good team. Yeah. So that, to me, gives me some cause to pause with Denver. John Elway is starting to be on the hot seat, I think. They're another team that I expect to possibly draft a quarterback this year, maybe even next year. I mean, they have a high pick this year, uh, so this might be the year to do it, whereas you know, next year... If Flacco's, you know, any good, this team might win, you know, seven or eight games because that defense is still pretty good. And then you're not in a position to get that quarterback. So I think now's the time for Elway to draft a high first round pick. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of teams maybe vying for those top two quarterbacks. Those two quarterbacks are Murray and Haskins are likely going to go in the top 10, maybe even the top five. And Kyler probably go four out of, I think at least three to four out of the teams in the top five don't need a quarterback. Right. So it's very possible at least one of those teams is going to trade out. So it'll be interesting to see who goes up to get one of those guys. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about my Raiders real quick. What are, what are your Raiders doing this time, man? They signed. We talked briefly about them signing LaMarcus Joyner. Four years, $42 million. Again, didn't have to pay him top safety money, but I would have rather paid a top safety the extra premium because they're better. Joiner though, has said he's going to play both a combo of free safety and nickel corner, so I actually like what they're how they're going to use him, so I think that that's actually a smarter signing than it looks like. And then they also signed Tyrell Williams, former Chargers receiver, to a four-year, $42 million, or no, four-year, $44 million deal with $22 million guaranteed. He's going to be the number two receiver opposite Antonio Brown. And to do some of that, they released Jordy Nelson, who, if you don't remember last year when we were talking about it, I slammed that signing because it was a waste. I think he got $12 million for one year, basically. Yeah, there. one good game. 
Yeah, and then they also released A.J. McCarron, a guy they gave up a fifth-round pick for last year. So now the Raiders don't really have a backup quarterback. I mean, Nathan the Peterman is oh, on their around. roster. So I think uh, the Raiders would be well-served to pick up. I mean, it would be great if they drafted a quarterback. I would love Murray or Haskins over Derek Carr, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Gruden is going to give him one more year and say, okay, we gave you the tackle. We gave you Antonio Brown. You have Tyrell Williams. We upgraded the offensive line. Let me see what you got. And if Carr doesn't perform this year, then I think it's time to move on. But I think they're going to give him this year. So I would like to maybe see a Ryan Fitzpatrick as a backup. Bortles is on the market. He'd be a top-end backup for me, to be quite honest. He's already visiting the Rams today, so it's possible he might be scooped up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Raiders just spent a ton of money, and they there's a lot of people declaring they basically won the offseason, them and the Browns. And we know frequently in the MLB or in the NFL, I mean, uh, that teams that win the offseason in March don't win in January, unfortunately. So the yeah. Raiders have all these shiny new toys, but I guarantee you they're not going to win more than... The over-under I'm going to put there is like six, and... Oh, that's actually really that's pretty tough. generous. I'd say seven, and I take the under, because I think it's possible they could win six games. But I'm thinking more along the lines of, yeah, I think they're going to be a five or six win team, at best. I'm going to agree. They're in a tough division. Uh, they're it's going to be tough to beat the Chiefs or the Chargers. The Broncos are going to be better. I don't Still know, got Derek Carr. Happening. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Chicago. They lost Adrian Amos in free agency to the Packers, so they took one of. Their former safeties and sign Haha Clint Dix on a one-year deal. It's sort of a prove-it deal again. He is going to hit the market again next year to try to revamp. I think there were so many safeties on the market that a couple of them are just going to get squeezed out. That's just how it was going to be. He's going to pair with Eddie Jackson in the secondary with or in Chicago. Jackson and Haha Clint Dix were both teammates at the safety position in Alabama, so they have a familiarity playing with each other. And then the Bears also signed. Cordero Patterson, who I really like. They lost Kevin White, who signed with the Arizona Cardinals today, their former first-round pick. Patterson adds that gadget player to them. He can line up as a receiver. He can catch, sort of. He can line up in the backfield. And the Bears actually had one of the worst kick return games last year. And Cordero Patterson, I think, was third. Or he might have even led the league in kickoff yardage. Uh, So he'll help there. I think it was a good move to uh, another little weapon to give Trubisky. And if there's somebody that is going to use Cordell Patterson in inventive ways, I guess it'll be Matt Nagy. He'll probably line up in the backfield a lot. Him and Cohen will be a lot of catch a lot of screens out of the backfield, try to get those guys in open space. Give him some even more versatility on that Bears defense that was offense. Know. Oh, no, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I get a Clinton up. Dix is on the defense. He pairs them, like I said. They lost uh, Bryce Callahan, though, as well. So they're going to have to try to find themselves a, a slot. Oh, they signed Buster Screen, that's right, as a slot corner replacement who honestly was just not that good for the Jets last year. That might be a, a downgrade and a loss. That could be a little bit of an issue if this secondary starts to take a little bit of a hit because Hawk Clinton Dix is not that great in man coverage. Yeah, he's more of a gambler. Yeah, speaking of corners, let's talk about one that re-signed in Philly. The Eagles re-signed Ronald Darby after acquiring him in a a trade a while back from Buffalo. He was recovering from, I believe, a torn ACL right now. He got a one-year, $8.5 million deal. This is a smart move for Philly. It's a, a guy that had a potential to be a lockdown corner. 
he's going to stay and be in the secondary with Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas, Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, I think that if Philly can get this guy back to starting level, uh, like a starting level corner, this is going to be a good signing. And this is a guy that could make the Pro Bowl pretty easily. I think he's only 26 years old right now, too. He's pretty young. It's just unfortunate some of these guys get injured right before they're about to hit free agency and they can't cash in, so they have to sign these one-year deals, uh, these one-year prove-it deals. But with the, the the Eagles are making a bunch of changes on defense. They swapped out Tim Jernigan for Malik Jackson. They traded Michael Bennett. They let Jordan Hicks go. He signed in Arizona. Four-year, $36 million deal in Arizona, middle linebacker there. I think that was a good move for Arizona to get him as like a QB of the defense. I don't know who's going to play linebacker for the Eagles. I mean, Nigel Bradham is like the only like solid starting linebacker I can see on their roster at the moment. That's going to be that might be an issue moving forward. But they have a pretty solid group of guys in the secondary and in the front four. But linebacker might be an issue for them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't have too much about the Eagles. Let's let's get through it. Let's get through everything here. All right, well, let's talk Tampa. They are initially going into NFL free agency. They only had $3.5 million in cap space. They traded Deshaun Jackson. We talked about that. Say it short up some space. They caught a couple of guys, uh, and They restructured Bo Allen's deal. Uh, they did a couple other things. And we talked about Brashad Perriman, who signed a one-year deal with the Browns, a former Ravens wide receiver, and then as soon as the Odell Beckham trade was announced, the team and Brashad Perriman agreed, mutually agreed to renege on the contract, and he decided to sign the same deal, a one-year $4 million deal in Tampa, where he might actually have a shot at some playing time. He would have been at best the fifth, maybe even the sixth receiver on the Cleveland roster. He might not have even made the team. He's going to be the Tampa Bay deep threat, I'm guessing. I mean, they need somebody to sort of replace Deshaun Jackson. You have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin working out of the slot, uh, but you need someone that can maybe take the top off the defense. I mean, Brashad Perriman's hands are basically made of stone, so I don't think that's going to work, but that's just me. (laughs) Uh, They signed former Arizona Cardinals middle linebacker who the Cardinals replaced uh, him with Jordan Hicks. Uh, The Buccaneers signed Deion Buchanan. He was a former safety who was converted to middle linebacker, sort of plays a hybrid role. He had a lot of promise. I really liked him coming out of the draft. I think he's from either Washington or Washington State. I can't remember. But he, I liked him as a safety, and then obviously they moved him in at the middle linebacker spot because he was like 220, 230, and the way that the position is moving, the linebackers need to move side to side more and need to move, be quick and he just it didn't really quite work out in Arizona. They changed their defensive scheme a little bit. Uh, there was a lot of guys this past year that didn't really live up to their defensive potential playing in Steve Wilkes' defense, so I'm not sure if that's the scheme or if that's them, uh, but I think he might be a good addition in Tampa. They lost Quan Alexander, and they still have Kendall Beckwith and Levante David, though, so I think Adam Buchanan still makes them a solid, uh, solid linebacking core. And then they added Shaq Barrett, former Denver Bronco. He was a outside linebacker, like a 3-4 rusher. I thought he had a, a guy that had a lot of potential at one point, too. I thought he could have been a like a starter, a, a pass rushing starter somewhere. He mostly played part-time as like a situational pass rusher with the Broncos, but I thought maybe learning from Von Miller, this dude could eventually become 
uh, like a really good player. I mean, he had in his second season, he didn't really play at all in his rookie year, but his second season he had five and a half sacks. Last year he only had three. The year before he only had four. Um, I wish I knew how many snaps he played. I could probably look that up, but I'm not going to do that right now. Waste my time. <laughs> uh, but I think this is a guy that could um, really could be a bargain move for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They need someone opposite Jason Pierre-Paul uh, to brush the pasture. I mean, this guy is, what, 6'2", almost, 250, 255 pounds. So he has the size uh, to 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 rush the passer and i think it's going to be a nice combo with him and jason pierre paul and then they also signed former cleveland browns offensive lineman earl watford on a one-year deal i think it's just another move to shore up the spot with Jameis winston i think they still need to do something with running back they tendered peyton barber maybe ronald jones will decide to play well in his second season but if they can't run the football to help Jameis Winston out this offense is going to be in for for a long year because this defense is not going to be able to hold this secondary is atrocious for the Buccaneers you're not expecting that big breakout season from Winston this year I've been a believer sort of in Winston since he came out I was a proponent of taking him over Mariota I know at the time it could have gone both ways and I'd still take Winston over Mariota right now. I was going right to say, it kind of could go both ways. I'd, yeah, I'd still do it. I mean, at one point it was clear Mariota, and now it's sort of back to the middle. And, and we're at a point where both of these guys' futures are in question with their current franchise because neither of them has shown that they can be that franchise quarterback. And Winston's had some moments where he shows how amazing he can be, but he's had some off-the-field issues, obviously. And then he just has he's turnover prone, and that's just one thing you can't really do Way too many in the NFL. We see a guy like Bortles who had the trifecta of most turnovers, most interceptions, and most pick sixes in the league. You could just if if he just didn't turn the ball over, the Jaguars would win a lot more games. And that's just just by having Nick Foles, like I said, they're gonna upgrade there. But um They probably are the big winners for this offseason. Who? The Jaguars just from getting out of Bortles and adding Foles. Yeah, they had to cut a lot of guys, though. They had to get rid of guys like Malik Jackson. They had to get rid of Carlos Hyde, Jeremy Parnell. They don't have a great receiving core for Foles. That's a little bit of a worry. Although I do really like D.D. Westbrook. I think this guy has the potential to be, I think he's going to be Foles' number one target. Uh, and I think he's going to have a nice season for this team. I think he's easily going to be their, their number one wideout, unless obviously they make some kind of move. Uh, but they had uh, they spent a lot of money on their defense. They have a lot of money locked up in like Leonard Fournette. They had a couple big free agent offensive lineman signings, Brandon Linder and Andrew Norwell. So they're in a little bit of a cap crunch. I, I don't know who's going to play safety on the back end since they released Tashawn Gibson. Like they have a lot of holes to fill. Then I don't know how they're going to do it considering they don't have a ton of cap space. And we just saw them give Nick Foles more money than they needed to. They could have probably saved themselves two or three million bucks a year on Nick Foles' deal. They could have offered him a four for 80, and he would have taken it because no one else was offering him anything. Yeah, they said it was so he would demand more uh, respect in the, yeah. in the locker room. But again, if he was goofy. paying 20 million, if you were paying him 18 to 20 million dollars, would that be so he'd be less respected because he took a couple million dollars right. less? Right, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you take what the market can give you, and why would you just give a guy extra money for no reason, especially when you're in a cap crunch? Like, I can see teams like the Colts or the Browns or the Raiders who you have all this cap space that you need to spend to some extent because you have to go up to the floor, you know? You have to spend this money somehow 
I can see doing that once in a while in like a one year deal or something like that. But when you're just giving money away for no reason, that to me just signals there's an issue there. Either way, I'm happy for them to move on from board. And Nick Foles should be able to just command respect in the locker room based on his play. It shouldn't matter what he makes. I mean, there's undrafted guys that come in and make $700,000 that become starters in the league. It's it's not about... Kurt Warner kind of thing? Whatever. I'm not even talking about quarterbacks. I'm just talking about in general. I mean, we saw like Philip Lindsay last year from Denver, you know, undrafted and comes on, you know, leads all rookies in rushing, whatever. Oh, no, I guess Saquon Barkley did that. But he made the Pro Bowl. Anyway, uh-huh. um, I guess we only got a couple minutes left. Let's just, uh, there's some other stuff that we could have got into, but I'm not really. A- Adrian Peterson resigned in Washington. Pierre Desir resigned in Indy. New England added Philip Dorsett and Bruce Ellington to replace some of their receivers that are leaving. You got any big overall winners or losers in free agency so far? Let's say winners. I like, the, like? I like the Jags, as I was just saying. Okay, Makes big winner lose. there. All right, and big loser for you? Ooh, big loser. Um, it's a good question. Uh, maybe go with the Eagles. Why is that? I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I don't see them uh, regaining form from two years ago. I think that it's uh, the ship has just kind of sailed with the Eagles for me. I don't know. Yeah, I meant like based on like free agency moves, though. Are you just saying like in general, or because they didn't really have that many guys to part? Yeah, I just think in eh, in general. I don't know. I'm down. I'm down on the Eagles. That's okay, all, that's all fair I enough. I'm gonna go. Um, so I'm going to say that the big winner in this offseason so far, I'm just going to say is the Cleveland Browns. Cause even if they're not oh, yeah, good call. like the best team, I, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. They might not even win the division. Let's like have them win nine games first, but they're going to be hyped and talked about the Browns are going to sell tons of jerseys. Like they're going to be, they're there. They're going to build their set. They just need, you know, they just need the push. And then my big loser is going to be the Oakland Raiders. Because in a year or two, they're going to regret a bunch of those moves. It's going to depend on what Carr does, but they're going to regret paying Trent Brown all that money. Demarcus Joyner is not going to make a huge impact on the defense. Tyrell Williams, I'm not a, I'm not 100% sold on. I think a lot of these are going to come back to bite them. So that's my issue. I think they spent a lot too, just because of Vegas. Yeah, right, everyone, this has been top of the key. Check we'll us be out. Back. We'll be back next Friday, 10 to 11 p.m. Central. We'll find you. Find us on iTunes. iTunes Leave us a review. Yada, yada, yada. At Justin WXRW on Twitter. I've been on there again. I'm tweeting. At at Stefan Sports. Call at us. Find us. We're out there. We'll be back uh, on the podcast. See y'all. See ya.